the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okay, it's Communion Sunday, and um, our communion text is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 25 to 66. It's quite a lengthy passage, so we're going to skip the first several verses, and we're going to begin with verse 35, but you have to have your Bibles open to that chapter and to those verses so that we can um, read together uh, as we proceed with the sermon uh, the the, the theme of our pursuit of true satisfaction. Now, the table of the Lord is a table of satisfaction. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're actually declaring before God and before one another that the Lord is our satisfaction. Regardless of what's going on in our world, regardless of what's going on in our life, the Bible says, in fact, the psalmist says, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And name your enemies. It could be this pandemic. It could be uh, the situation you're going through right now. It could be anything at all. It could be a sickness. It could be a loss of job, uh, a strain in a relationship. Name the enemy of your soul. And the Bible says that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies and that's the significance of the lord's table and that's why we celebrate it as often as we can because satisfaction in our world today is is hard to come by it's a challenge to convince people that there is indeed a level of satisfaction that we can attain only in the context of our relationship with the lord jesus christ John chapter 6, 25 to 66. I'll be reading verse 35, starting with verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Of course, there's a bunch of other verses that came before that which we're going to touch on as we progress with the sermon. Um, we pay a premium on beauty, on looks in our society today. In fact, uh, there's a show ironically entitled, a reality show entitled The Price of Beauty. And, and, and one of the stars that was featured in that program uh, was uh, Jessica Simpson. And uh, listen to what Jessica Simpson uh, reportedly spent on beauty. $1,000 for tanning, $1,000 for eyelash extensions, $2,000 a month for cellulite treatment, $4,500 a week for a trainer, physical fitness, 
$50,000 a year for breast enhancements, $230,000 a year for hair, a whopping $1 million a year to look beautiful. And if you've seen a, a picture of her, I think she can spend $10 at Walmart and look just as good. <laughs> but it just shows you the obsession of our society and how much premium we put on beauty, on how we look. Uh, but what boggles the mind is how much we're willing to spend to be uh, satisfied with how we look. Now, before we jump all over uh, Jessica Simpson's case, before we start criticizing and calling her vain, let's examine our own pursuit of satisfaction. And that's the point. What is our level of satisfaction in life? How satisfied are we with our life right now? Let's say in our marriage. How satisfied are you and I in our marriage? What about in our relationships in general? What about our jobs? What about where we live? And of course, the inevitable question that a preacher will ask <laughs> when it comes to a sermon involving contentment and satisfaction is, where are we in our spiritual life? How satisfied are we in our relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you satisfied where you are? In your relationship with God? Now, you have to notice how I frame that question. I ask you, where are you? Where am I in my relationship with God? And the reason why I propose that question is because we often uh, pass or qualify our relationship with God uh, in, in a completely foreign way from scriptures. Uh, do we qualify? We qualify our relationship with God or does God qualify our relationship with him? That's an important question. You know, we, do, we, do, we often don't think about these things too much. Am I the one who qualifies my relationship with God or is it God who qualifies my relationship with him? You know, in our Western way of thinking, because we live in North America, we ask questions Christian-type questions, spiritual-type questions. And you probably heard some of these, uh, some of these statements before. Not, not necessarily questions, but statements. Uh, we often say, I'd like to ask Jesus to come into my life. Have you heard somebody uh, utter that phrase? That's our Western mindset, okay? And um, when it comes to worship, we often say, Lord, we invite your presence in our midst. Lord, we welcome you in the midst of our assembly. Now, those are nice things to say, but that concept, loved ones, is foreign to scriptures. Let me give you a few verses from the words of Jesus himself on, 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 on how uh, this whole thing about our relationship with God uh, comes into being, okay? First one is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Just listen to the words of Jesus. He said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you satisfaction and rest. Do you notice how Jesus said it? He said, come to me. Here's another one, Matthew 19, 21. Jesus answered, speaking to the, to the young man who was rich, who was looking for the way to eternal life. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven then come 
and follow me. You're beginning to see a pattern emerge. Here's another one in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus addressing a crowd of skeptics. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And here's a final one. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 38. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You see, loved ones, we cannot invite Jesus into a relationship with us. He gets to dictate how that relationship comes to pass. We need to come to Him. We need to hear His voice. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. We cannot dictate the nature of our relationship with God. We can't dictate the nature of our worship of God. And you hear me say this many times. We don't get to dictate how we ought to worship God. God laid it out for us. If you want to worship me, this is how you will have to do it. And I just praise God we live in a better covenant. Amen? All right? Because if you live in the New, in the Old Testament, trust me, it's a thousand times harder on how he required people to even approach him. So I'm a firm believer in this whole thing about being grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for dying on the cross because not only did he fulfill the law, he made God accessible. We can touch, feel, communicate, and experience him in our daily lives. We don't get to dictate our relationship with God, nor can we dictate our worship of God because if we try to do that, we will be disappointed. There will be no real satisfaction that comes when we decide to dictate the way we're going to approach God. No one but Jesus alone can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. Perhaps you have come here this morning and to, be, to partake of the table of the Lord as we have done so many times. But you really never understood the significance of coming to the Lord's Supper. And, and the purpose of proclaiming the word is to teach us how to sit on the table of the Lord that he prepared before us. I believe you know God has prepared his table for us. He gets to invite us to come in. All right? And that, that invitation is open. That invitation is not just open just because things are flying high in your life, right? David says, you, you prepare a table before me when everyone on my right, my left, above me, below me, in front of me, behind me, they're gang, gaining on me. They're, they're catching up to me. They're trying to destroy me. But the Lord invited me for supper in the middle of all of that. That gets me excited because these are spiritual realities. Spiritual realities that are true. Perhaps you have partaken of the Lord's table many times, but, but it, it, it never dawned on you that there's more to celebrate in the Lord's table than just the sacrifice that Jesus made. You know, when we come together to partake of Holy Communion, as we call it, we're celebrating much more than the sacrificial death of Jesus. 
We're celebrating much more than just Him offering His body for us. The crucifixion, the burial, all of the agony that He experienced on the cross. We're also celebrating and commemorating His victory. When we partake of the Lord's table, we're not only remembering what He sacrificed, but we're also remembering the fact that He sits on the throne of power. He is victorious. He had victory for everything for all time. And it's not just about what he has done for us. It's also the fact that he has enabled us to share in that victory as well for ourselves. When we partake of the communion, when we eat of the Lord's Supper, the ultimate goal is to have rest and satisfaction. To remind us that true rest and satisfaction comes on the table of the Lord. You know, I like buffets, and this pandemic has just messed me up so much. You know, because it's just terrible. I love it. You know, my, my, my kids treated me to a, 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 what used to be a buffet, and now I have to stand in there and have the, have the server uh, give me the food. What's the satisfaction in that? I want to have three plates full of that falafel over there, and I can't do it. You know, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, can you put like seven of those things on my table? You know, I mean, that, I don't like that. That's embarrassing. But there's no satisfaction unless there's freedom in Christ. True freedom, right? And that's why this thing is very important. So we need to understand how, how, how we gain that true satisfaction when we come before the table of the Lord. And Jesus is inviting you and I on a daily basis to partake of him on his table and that's good news but there are a couple of things that we need to accept in order to experience that true satisfaction we need to accept certain truths about ourselves about our lives okay certain truths number one we need to accept that the root cause of all of our problems is spiritual it begins right there we're living in a fallen world and we are fallen people we are saved by grace. We have a new nature in Christ. We're born again, and we're heading in the right direction, but we still live in a fallen world. And guess what? We still need to crucify that fallen nature time and time again. Amen? Amen? We need to do that. But a fundamental aspect of humility, the fundamental aspect of humility is to accept the fact that all of our problems are rooted in our spirit. It's a spiritual problem. Verse 25 of our text says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, speaking of Jesus, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And let me give you a little bit of a context. Jesus just finished feeding 4,000 people, 5,000 people rather. So when you see someone feed a large number of people, you know, the, the natural reaction, the fallen reaction is, I'm going to hang out with this guy. <laughs> you got to go to your food source, right? So it's obvious that they wanted to be near Jesus. So he told his disciples, get on a boat. We're going to go on the other side to get away from the crowd. He's not being mean. He just had to do what he had to do to be able to expand the, the, the gospel preaching that he was in. So he went on the boat, and um, 
and after performing the five, the feeding of the 5,000, he performed another miracle during the night while they were crossing. There was a big storm and his disciples, only his disciples saw this miracle. They saw him walking on water. So that's a double dose of outstanding miracles. And when they finally got into the other side, the people who were looking for him finally found him. I don't know how they did it. They probably, there's probably a roadway that will take him on the other side. Or maybe they, they rented some boats. Or maybe they had boats to follow Jesus. But nevertheless, they found him and they asked him right away, Jesus, we've been looking for you. Where are you? And right there and then, Jesus confronted them with the nature of their motivation. Jesus says, you know, you followed me not because you acknowledge who I am. You followed me not because you know that I'm the Son of God. You, you followed me not because of even the miracles that I perform. You followed me because you got fed. You followed me because you saw the bread multiplied. In other words, what he's saying is your motive has never been spiritual. Because your problem has always been spiritual you're putting everything on the physical aspect but spiritually you're either dying or you're dead already because you didn't recognize who i am now that's true for all of us i mean that's true in my life certainly there's been times in my life when i've been focusing on the the physical aspects of my needs rather than the spiritual aspect of my needs. We tend to elevate our physical needs of our spiritual needs. Not that our physical needs are not important. We understand that it's important to God what we need in the, in the physical realm. But the spiritual need we have is really more important. Now, that is a piece of truth that we all need to internalize. God is interested in our spiritual well-being because it's more important to him than our physical needs. You know, we always say as preachers, you know, if you're going to feed your body, you also have to feed your spirit. You know, if you're going to eat physical food, you also have to feed on the word of God. And you know what? That may be a cliche saying. That may be something that we often hear, but it remains true. You just don't put the emphasis on the physical feeding of your body. It's more important to physically, uh, to spiritually feed the soul. It's more important. How many, how, when was the last time you said this ham sandwich encouraged me while I was struggling with this problem? You know, that pasta really gave me true hope and joy. As I struggle with my grief and my pain. No, we don't ever say that. That sounds ridiculous. And yet, the Word of God is the only thing that satisfies the real you, the person inside, your spirit, your soul. That's the one that's more important because that's the one that communicates with God. That's the one that hears the Word of God. It's not your flesh. It's not the body. It's not the physical thing. It's the, it's the, the soul. The spirit of man. The one that receives counsel from God. It's the one that responded to the call to salvation. You got saved not because you got up and walked physically. Right? You didn't get saved. You got saved because somebody started knocking at your door. The Holy Spirit started pounding at that heart. You know? And you opened your heart to the Lord. That's your spirit. 
And when you die, that's the one that goes to God. The body goes to the grave and praise God, one day it's going to be raised up. It's going to be a lot better body. But it's the spirit, it's the soul of man that really penetrates the heavens, that, that, really, make, that really matters more. But we, we focus so much on the temporal, okay? Uh, you know one thing, one, one other thing, let me just interject this. When this pandemic hits, I remember the early days of this pandemic. You know what people rushed to the stores to buy? They didn't rush to the stores to buy food. You know what they rushed to the store to buy? Toilet paper. Right? You remember those days. And I scratched my head. Why in the world? And the only thing I would guess, and this is a guess, the only reason why so many people had to buy a lot of toilet paper, and many of them hugged the toilet papers on the counter, was because they already have enough food in the house. And they knew with the, num with the amount of food they have in the house, they're going to be making a lot of bathroom trips. That's why they rush to get toilet paper. Because our fallen nature is just, uh, it, it's, it seems like it's pre, uh, predisposed to taking care of the physical aspects of life. But it's more than that. Listen, if you do have enough toilet paper in your house, make sure that you just don't wipe you-know-what with it, but that you wipe your eyes because you cry to the Lord so much for help. God meeting our physical needs doesn't do God any good. Jesus said to those people, you look to me because of the bread. You know, God wants to satisfy the hunger and thirst of our soul. Jesus came for that purpose, to satisfy the soul, because it is the soul that ultimately will communicate with, with God. It's the soul that ultimately will respond to the call of God. You know, we, we're seeing it on TV, all of these rioting and violence happening in, in the major cities in our country today. Where is that rooted? It's rooted on dissatisfaction on something, isn't it? I mean, they can, they can justify any reason for all of the demonstrations and the rioting that turns into violent, violence at night for some reason. But if you're really honest about it, you can trace that to a dissatisfaction, not with political leaders, not with the system so much. They're angry at that. Not so much with the way things are going, but that anger is a dissatisfaction with God, whom they, they believe should solve all the problems. You know, it's funny. People who don't even believe in God will blame God for the things that happen. I don't get it. Because at the root of our fallen nature is that desire. There's that still small voice in the inside of us that says, you know what's right. You know you want to correct all of these things, but you're powerless to do it because only Jesus in you can accomplish it. And yet you're looking to other things and other ways to remove all all of that wrong that you're experiencing without responding to the voice of Jesus. You're trying to do it on your own. And what's the result? More 
agonizing anger and, 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 and violence and all of these things. Where, where is that rooted? It's rooted on our dissatisfaction with God, whether we deny it or not. They will not accept that we have a spiritual problem. And that is, God is less interested in satisfying our flesh than satisfying our soul. You know, we think that God should solve the problems of the world. But God is not as interested in solving the problems of the world as He is interested in renewing your soul, renewing your mind, renewing my mind, renewing my spirit. We need to accept that our problem is spiritual. Matthew 5, chapter 6, the great Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said it straight. He says, happy, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Amen? Imagine if all of us hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will be the strongest force in this universe. 